Welcome into the Orlando Drummer Podcast, episode one. Guys, I'm so stoked to be doing this. Um, I've been talking about doing a podcast for years, um, so we finally have a nice format laid out here, and I'm really excited because, as I mentioned in um, a recent video that I posted, um, I- I'm well aware that we need to cater to an entertainment-based market, and I certainly hope this will be entertaining to some degree, uh, but a podcast format like this allows me to cater to the educator in me because I am interested in helping drummers um, and helping younger generations. I really don't care if you're, you're younger, but uh, the educator in me is excited to do this. It's a different format for me. It's new for me. Um, so I'm really excited to to hop in. Yeah. And of course, if you haven't heard yet, there is also a another podcast that I'm launching simultaneously. It's basically everything but drums. Uh, it's called All In With Adam. You can find some information about that in the description. Um, and yeah, let me introduce uh, as well my uh, co-host and producer. This is... Mr. Chris Schneider. What's up, Chris? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So Chris has actually been working for um, OrlandoDrummer.com for for quite a while. Um, Give me the backstory, man. How did we meet? How did we get started doing this? How did I trap you into doing this thing? So so the trap was laid several years ago. I began working with your fiance Mm -hmm. at another company. Uh, As that relationship grew, uh, I began to have conversations with her about what you do, found out what you do, and then... As I was about to graduate college, decided to have the conversation with you if you needed an intern or just help with the site. Yeah. And then we began talking, and then you offered me the opportunity to work with you for yeah. free. Which <laughs> for was, free. You know, it was a, what an offer. <laughs> well, quite a deal. And then that eventually became, um, you know, a more solid role in the company uh, as a community manager. And then... Yep. I began answering more emails and having a bigger responsibility in the company and helped even to build the studio here, which is very, very fulfilling. Yeah, yeah you're one of the few that helped with some of the construction stuff. Which yeah. just feels awesome. I know how to build an entire studio or at least a quarter <laughs> of it basically did it all anyway. Yeah. yeah. I didn't do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the trick. That was what people don't know. But now, you know, uh, feel very proud to work for this company. Oh, yeah, man. It's very awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like to tell people that uh, my fiance Kelly, effectively vetted and trained him, and then I sort of stole him away at a certain point. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of what happens. You still do work for both of us. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, it's been, it's been awesome. I think one of the areas that I'm not good at that you're at is you're, you're like a higher empathy person. Like, you're better at customer service and really, like, hearing people out. And um, I'm much more of like a... I don't know the best way to say it, but uh, you're, you're just better at customer service than me. And I've always known that like when people have technical problems on the website or anything like that, like I'm not the guy that you want to talk to. Uh, I'm just not a customer service minded person. But um, much like Kelly, like you're a, you're a, a sweetheart of a person. So you're you're awesome at that that role for sure. I think it's a good uh, a good contrast, man. Yeah, um, it's a smooth dichotomy. Dichotomy. We have <laughs> that's a word. That's yeah, a word. You got. It. <laughs> I'm good at customer service, but I'm terrible at talking. Uh, it's an awesome dichotomy that we have. Is where you're more of a. I guess you've described it as a loner type. And sure. I'm a little yeah. bit more outgoing, uh, so I'm able to just talk to people and yeah. fix their problems, and I'm happy to do so. Yeah, it's man. awesome. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, we got a, a number of segments to uh, hop into today, so I'll hand it back over to you. What do yeah. we got going on, man? Yeah, of course. So we'll start by reviewing some industry news. We'll cover uh, anything from artist announcements to new products, really, and in that kind of range of things, uh, we'll just give our short thoughts and then, you know. Boom. Lay it on me Boom. with some news. So, Trump, I take it. So, <laughs> so Drum news. Come on. We're not yeah, doing that. No. Uh, so <laughs> recently, uh, it was very cool to see... Uh, 
David Cola had signed with Zildjian. Saw that. Yeah, man. Congrats, David Cola. Wait, I've known David for a while, man. I think the first time we met was at a Nam house. Um, we had like an Instagram group chat. We still do, actually. Um, David was in there. We had this group of people that, that met up at Nam. Met up at Nam. We organized like a big Airbnb and had like a drummer house, which was super cool. David was in that house for a few years in a row. We did this, but. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, ridiculous player. If you guys don't know David Cola, check him out. He's just a, an absolute monster of a player. I know he did some cruise work, work for a while and then ended up in L.A. sort of doing the, you know, full L.A. musician grind. But, yeah, man, to see him get some attention of any kind from sort of the major players is is awesome to see because he's a guy that really deserves it, an absolute monster of a player. If you guys don't, don't follow David Cola, go follow him everywhere. He's just a beast. So congrats, man. Team Z, yeah, I, w- I selfishly wish you were on Team Minel, but you're not. You're on Team Zildjian. But, dude, that's sick. That's absolutely awesome, man. It's, uh, it's a good fit for you. I've seen you've been playing Zildjian for a while, too, and obviously it's a company with... Um, a very long history of supporting drummers. So kind of hard to go wrong with a company that that's that iconic. Um, so yeah, man, congrats. Hell yeah, go David Cola. Yeah, love David. Uh, and then next, drum industry news isn't so oversaturated anymore, yeah. um, but very exciting in-house news, okay. sort of stuff close to home, is that CTM recently announced that they have the new P2 True Wireless earbuds. Oh yeah. That are coming out onto the market. Yeah, man, and I've got them right here. These are the P2 Explorers. Oh, sorry, the Explore P2s by our friends over at ClearTune Monitors. ClearTune Monitors is an in-ear company, and there are only a few in-ear companies, you know, out there who really kill it. Um, they're one of them, and they're actually based here in Orlando. And man, I've had such a good time getting to know the whole family that runs ClearTune over the last few years. Um, man, they've just taken such good care of me. We all have have ClearTunes. Everybody that works for yeah, OrlandoDrummer.com yeah. has ClearTune in your monitors. Um, what do you have? The CT? I have the 300s or 400s? 300s. CT three 300s? drivers in each ear. I'm wearing them right now. Triple drivers. Which, uh, very cool. And going to that company, that experience was awesome. It's sick, right? Uh, they're, I mean, very homey, very humble people, too. Yeah. We had a tour of their factory, yep. which is really cool. We got to see how everything was made and everything. And then yeah. they did the molds right there in the lobby. And yeah. this was several months ago. Last year. Actually. Last Christmas. It's been almost yeah. a year since we yeah, did that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I've used them, and they're they're fantastic. Yeah, man. They're absolutely awesome. I have the CT400s and then the AS7s, the Aaron Spears signatures. Um, they're just a ridiculous product, but even, you know... It's so hard to, to try and sell people on a set of in-ears because at the end of the day, until you get them custom molded and see what they feel like, you're just listening to somebody describe a sound. But beyond how good they sound and what a good product that they actually make, um, it, it's just run by an awesome family. They're such cool people. They have a really long history of supporting drummers and the drum community. Um, and we're stoked because they launched this product, the Explore P2s. These are... Um, true wireless Bluetooth in-ears. They're single driver in-ears, uh, but they come with uh, several different fittings, like small, medium, and large. This is not an advertisement necessarily. They didn't ask us to do this. I just want you guys to know this exists because when we got our hands on these maybe a week or two ago, we tried them out, um, and I love these so much that we're actually including this in our member November sign-up special. So as of today, member November... November um, has begun. This is our member appreciation month where we run the best specials of the year um, for anybody that wants to join up on OrlandoDrummer.com, which is my drum education platform. It's basically Netflix for drum lessons, if you could imagine that. And so what, what we're doing for anybody that wants to sign up for an annual membership or upgrade from a monthly membership to an annual membership, I am buying a pair of these and sending them to your front door 100% 
for free. It's on me. Um, I've done a deal with ClearTune, so no matter how many annual members we get, every last one of you guys is going to be getting um, a set of these Explore P2s. And the cool thing about these, this is what kind of caught me off guard. I'm wearing them now, actually, by the way, one of them at least. Um, the pod that they come in is, it is an external charger. So you charge them through the pod, but when you unplug this pod, you take the whole thing with you, you put the in-ears inside the pod, and then it's charging them the whole time and it can charge them multiple times. So effectively, this little pod with the in-ears in it is 30 hours of listening to whatever you want. Obviously, these fall into like that fitness category if you wanna use them for that sort of purpose, but what I actually love is the ability to play drums without wires because I you know, oftentimes jam to my loops or even with a metronome app. A lot of times I find that I'm a, uh, you know, and honestly, it's like a dread problem too, that the wires will get caught in my hair. You know, so it's really nice, man. It's super cool, it's super convenient. They retail for $79.99, but if you wanna do um, an annual membership on orlandodrummer.com in the month of November, these are on me. I will buy them and have them sent to your front door. Um, and we still gotta get more pairs. I know you don't have a personal pair yet, but uh, we gotta get one for you, man. They're awesome. I was excited when we saw the, the P2s. I mean, remember I came over and you had yeah. them on the table. Well, I did the whole quiz with you, I'm like, you just open these and tell me what you think they're worth. When you hold them in your hands, you actually cannot believe that an in-ear company moved in this direction. And sure. they're they're hitting that consumer market, which is super huge yeah. for them. And they're a good product. Yeah, they're sick, man. It was such a, such a good job. And it's cool knowing these people, too, because it feels like it's more more personal. It's like a family and friends that I'm actually proud of. Like, they did an awesome job. So, um, yeah, man, check them out. And if you don't want an online membership, you can buy them for 80 bucks. It's $79.99. Check them out. That's it for industry news as of now. Uh, and next week we'll have more. Hell yeah. So now we move into Q&A, the part of the podcast Q &A. where we answer any question. And these questions will come from Instagram, YouTube, or the forums of Orlando Drummer. Sure. And nothing's off the table. You can ask us anything. Cool, cool. And uh, can they ask you, if you have questions, can they just ask you directly? They can send me an email at chris at orlandodrummer.com. Boom. Shoot and them over. I'll read all of them. All right, first question. Okay. Uh, is by from Instagram, by yep. drums by Teddy Reese. Teddy Reese, he's a member. What's up, Teddy? Yeah. Uh, he asks, how do you define sound quality? Define sound quality. It's a really good question, man. I think, hmm. Yeah, sound quality is is a tricky one, right? If somebody says you have a, a good sound quality, what actually are they? What are they complimenting? What do they actually mean by that? I think the thing you need to remember is that, well, there's a lot of variables in in the definition of sound quality and that you could have two very different sounds. Each one could be a high quality sound. But I think what a lot of times that would mean to people is are you hitting the fundamentals, right? So fundamentals to me would be good levels, uh, meaning when you're actually spinning the knob on your interface to make sure that you're getting the proper level. Um, did you do that correctly or do you have mics clipping, right? That would be a good fundamental to hit every time. Mic placement would be another huge one. I mean, I guess you have to remember, um, you know, there's not really a lot of hardcore rules to mic placement, but you can do it wrong. If you have your overhead mics, you know, pointed a little bit too wide or a little bit too narrow, you can kind of hear that sometimes. The cymbals don't get picked up correctly. You could also have, like, let's say a tom mic that sort of has fallen down and the, the edge of the capsule is touching the head. You can kind of hear when that sort of clippy weirdness comes in. Um, and so it's a lot of fundamental stuff, I would say. Is the kick drum mic actually inside the porthole, pointed at where the batter is, or is it sort of outside a little bit? These are all just fundamentals that you would wanna hit to make sure uh, that you're getting a quality sound. But beyond that, there are many variables that you could bring into a sound that would change 
not the quality of it, just the sort of the character or the nature of that sound. A good example would be like Brody Simpson, who has an unbelievably high quality sound, but part of that sound includes like distorting the bass drum and clipping the hi-hat microphone, but it's all very intentional. It's a really high level. Uh, but I would say as far as overall sound quality, if you're asking yourself, do I have a high quality sound? I think it comes down to nailing those fundamentals like mic placement um, and levels for the most part. Everything beyond that is just sort of taste. The other thing I would say too is like a balanced mix. When I say balanced, I mean can you hear everything that's going on at the same time? Because we have a big instrument with a lot of different sound sources and if for some reason you're your mix was like snare heavy. Like the snare is just so loud that I can barely hear the bass drum, I can barely hear the toms. Um, the cymbals don't really sound that prominent. That's probably another overall quality thing that you would wanna focus on. So I would say it's it's really about the fundamentals overall. Um, if you're nailing all of those fundamentals, tuning would be another one. Tuning, mic placement, the overall balance of the mix, those are the things that you wanna go for. If you nail all of those fundamentals, everything else just comes down to taste and your personal preferences. But yeah, it's an awesome question, Teddy. Thanks a lot, man. What else we got? All right. Next question also from Instagram is from Owen B. Drums. Okay. He, has, he asks, what's your opinion on punk rock loud and fast playing? I love it, first of all. I think it's a – yeah, punk playing in general, man, it's a style of music that got – they got a lot of hate. And I think one of the things that happened – I saw this happen a lot – was like Travis Barker got so famous that like a portion of the market sort of turned on him in that – when so many people say for so many years that this is like the greatest drummer of all time, there's like this weird resistance to that where people start saying, no, he's not. He's actually the worst drummer of all time. Neither of those two things are true. Um, it, it, it just it is what it is. Right. And I think it's important that you that you acknowledge the contribution that every drummer makes when they reach a certain level of fame or they write a certain amount of albums that get. Um, enough recognition. And I think Travis Barker falls into that category where I really don't care if you like him or not. He has contributed enough to the drum industry, to the music industry, um, where you have to give that dude a lot of respect, right? And I'm just picking on him because when loud, fast punk drumming sort of comes up, obviously Travis Barker should come to mind for everybody. Um, you know, I think it, it that style of drumming really hinges on, is that what you want to say behind the kit? If you want to express... Um, emotions like anger or aggression or rebellion or things like that. It's an awesome style for that if that's what you want to say. That's not what everybody wants to say necessarily when they sit down um, and play drums. Some people are much more mathematically minded. And you know, I would be lying if I said that, that, that punk drumming is like the hardest genre of music out there, but there is a spectrum of difficulty within that style of music. There's definitely some, some punk stuff that you could play that is incredibly difficult, incredibly high level. With that said, it's got a, a low barrier to entry. So if you're a young or a new drummer, you know, there's a reason a lot of them play Green Day, right? Because it's not particularly difficult to get started in playing that genre. But it really comes down to what you wanna say, I think. Um, and you know, a great example of of where you can see the influence of punk sort of sort of come into drumming is like Eric and Proda is a good example where he's not a punk drummer. I wouldn't describe him that way at all, but you can hear the leftover like aggressive remnants from when he was more of a punk drummer, right? You can still sort of hear it in his playing and I think that's really cool too. And many of you guys know this too, but, but I had a, well, I didn't actually have the gig, all fell through, but at a certain point in time, I had to learn 26 Let Live songs, which is very much a punk band. And that definitely impacted my playing a bit. I can still hear little tiny mannerisms left over from the era that was learning all of those songs. So 
if you're somebody who feels like you're soft-handed, not head, not a heavy-handed player, maybe experiment with learning some different, um, some punk grooves or you know punk albums or whatever however you want to approach it. But maybe experiment with that because I think it can impact your playing in a really positive way to be able to tap into some of that aggression or tap into some of that. Um, rebellious like smashing that is punk drumming so uh, it's an influence that I value a lot I don't think I had like a long punk phase necessarily but um, it's a six genre music man it just depends on what you want to say you know next question from Matt Grenier Matt underscore Grenier underscore yep what are the jobs you did before going to music school before going to music school let's see so when I was 15, I got my first job at Outback Steakhouse. Shout out to uh, OSI. Um, Outback Steakhouse treated me really well, man. I had an awesome time working there. I got hired as a busboy, and then I went into takeaway. Then I was takeaway manager, worked in the kitchen a little bit, did food running. Um, I served tables, but that was kind of limited because I was under 18, so I couldn't carry alcohol around the restaurant. Uh, most of my time there was takeaway. And then I did um, I did admin stuff as well. So I would come into Outback at like 7 a.m. and do some paperwork in the back. So it was cool. I got to get the full restaurant experience, which is something I think everybody can, can get something from. It'll make you see restaurants a lot differently having worked in a restaurant. Uh, and that was honestly my only real job before college. But I do have some jobs after college that are kind of relevant. So I went to school for audio engineering. Um, I graduated there. And then me and my buddy, Taylor, who's still one of my one of my closest friends, um, Taylor and I were in our final month at school, and we were both looking for jobs online. She was like, "Well, we got to do something with this degree, I guess." We hadn't worked in a couple of years, being in school full time, and we applied for the same job at the same time, and it was an automotive photography job, and it came with a smart car, and it came with a camera and a laptop. Really, really cool, like tech job um, at the time. This was. 2009, 10, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, we've applied for the same job at the same time, but his dad owned a car dealership. And that was his like high school work experience. Mine was at Outback. And so he got the job just based off of that. But the, the guy that hired him sent us both an email at the same time. It was like, hey guys, I see your roommates because your address actually matches. And uh, Taylor got that job. He had it for about six months, but then he moved. And so he gave that job to me. So I had a, a nice, maybe a two year stretch working as an automotive photographer. I got to drive 50 cars a day. It was really cool. And that was my first real introduction to like, like higher level DSLR cameras. I think it was a Canon PowerShot something like that, um, but it was really cool. I got to not only learn a lot about the car industry and cars, uh, but I also got to learn about some back-end web stuff because they would take all these automotive um, photos and then I would have to upload them to like AutoTrader and to Craigslist and whatever was popular at the time for selling cars online. So I got a little bit of back-end web experience, which was helpful. Um, yeah, and then just got into like media management a little bit. So it was a, a really interesting job, but um, beyond that, the only other real job I've ever had other than, than the one I have now running an online drum school uh, was I did some music retail for a while. Um, and I had taught drum lessons all kind of throughout all of these different jobs. But um, yeah, I worked at Sam Ash doing music retail in the drum department. Not my favorite job, but um, working in music retail definitely can, can teach you a lot about different musicians. And um, so yeah, that's pretty much my whole work experience aside from Orlando Drummer, which has been the last decade or so. Cool. So that's it for the Q&A segment of the podcast. All right. And just as a reminder, you can submit your questions via Instagram. 
YouTube down in the comments or the members area of OrlandoDrummer.com or shoot me an email at ChrisOrlandoDrummer.com. Send them over. Whatever you got, man. Let's do it. Cool. Cool. So we'll move on now to another segment. Accent or ghost? Accent or ghost. So in this segment, I'll present Adam with a largely debated topic among the drumming industry, uh, a new product, or any viewer-submitted content, and we'll get an approval, accent, or disapproval, ghost. So first thing on the list, forward-facing snare drums. Forward-facing snare drums. So we're talking forward-angling, like Buddy Rich-ish style. Man, it's so... It's so style dependent, I think. I think you could pull it off if you're if you're just that kind of player, right? I think it's a little weird when it when it would be forced. What's the kid? He signed with Minel. Gray, you know his name. Grayson? Uh, Grayson? Well, 16. I think he's 17 years God, old now. He's so good for being that young. Incredible uh, traditional jazz yeah. player. Just studies some of the greatest jazz drummers of our era and Doesn't he have a forward style. I think he might switch switch it up a little bit. Yeah. He might be more level than forward, but. Uh, That's what comes to mind, yeah. right? Like that super organic jazz style. Yeah, I think if you're doing that, it, it could make sense. But you have to remember, of course, the history of why snares were ever tilted away from you. And it, of course, it's rooted in traditional grip. Um, and traditional grip sort of came from, like, I don't know, I want to say colonial times, like marching snare drums, where they would hang a snare drum over and marching into war. And they would angle. That drum, like, hang, it hung sideways. And so, um, matched grip made sense for the right hand, but the left hand had to reach over top of the rim. I'm sure we can find a picture of this. And, you know, that's sort of where traditional grip came from, was this idea that the snares were inherently going to be tilted and you had to reach over top of that rim. And obviously that carried into, I imagine, like, ragtime era and early jazz playing and all the way to 2020, I suppose, if you're still angling your snare. Um, I think it's just relative to to style, and if you, if you're into that kind of style, Buddy Rich certainly did it quite a bit. I know there's some famous solos where you can see he has that heavy forward angle. I think it's dope if you just own that style is what it comes down to. It's not my thing. Um, another example would be like a Daru Jones, but of course his setup is just absolutely very severe. Yeah, that's severe. That's not rec- <laughs> it's not recommended. You should probably do some super famous hip hop albums before you get to get to make a kit like that, right? He gets away with it, but uh, probably not recommended for any early drummer to do such a thing. But um yeah, just comes down to style, but that Grayson kid that comes to mind for sure. You could pull it off if you do that. You play like that. Go ahead. You're good. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, cool. So next next up, we just got a, a kit photo from a user we found on Instagram. Okay. So I'll shoot that over to you. Yes, See what sir. you think of that. All right, so this one is from Schneiderus Maximus. That is an epic name, dude. Okay, so a lot going on here. I see the snare. That looks like a copperish, brassish sort of thing. Real Frankenstein-y. We're in Stack City out here. Goodness gracious. Some sort of a Lubell thing happening. I'll tell you what, I don't know if I can give you the accent on this one, brother. I think I'm gonna have to ghost it based off of the amount of egg cartons happening here. <laughs> and the stick shavings. You, uh, we need a vacuum and we need some Oralex is what needs to happen here. It's a cool kit. I want to play it. It looks like a lot of fun. That little tiny Tom thing, that silver one there. It's cool. I'm going to have to ghost it for the egg cartons. I'm sorry, Schneiderus Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, next I got uh, another discussion topic. How about three rack toms on a kit? Three rack toms. I'm good. That's a tough one. We got to talk this out. So it really depends on 
what you're like do you need three rack toms if you're playing like a I'm gonna throw out like I, I don't know, I don't know their music that well, but like Dream Theater, isn't that a whole bunch yeah, of toms set up, right? Yeah. Okay, if you're like in a Dream Theater theater cover band, you probably need all the rag toms and a couple of floor toms. Like if the music calls for it, then I would say yes, hard accent on three rag toms. But if you don't need it, like if you're playing like basic rock beats and you show up to like a gig and you have six rag toms or three rag toms, um, I'm gonna ghost you pretty hard on that one. It's just. Yeah, it, it. I'm not a fan of people that want like massive kits who don't have any reason to have a massive kit, like just because. I'm really not a fan of that. I think you would you would actually be more creative if you just went down to a hat, snare, kick, floor tom type of setup, right? It's oftentimes easier to be creative when you set some boundaries. So when I see somebody like struggling with creativity, but they have like a living room of a drum set, I think that's sort of a problem. So I would I'll give it the accent, the three rack toms. But I would say, make sure that you have a reason to have them. That's what I'd say. Oh, okay, what we got next? Another kit picture here. This one is from BW Drum. Um, oh, cool. I like this kit. So I'm seeing a vintage Pure Light ride. I think it's the only ride on the planet that's that hideous. Um, just like mine, I love it. Um, then we've got EC2 Frosted's interesting choice. I'm, I always go back and forth on the Frosted's, right? Because it feels like make a decision, you know, like <laughs> it's such a cut down the middle. But then I've seen Chris Coleman use them, so it kind of makes me love them. Everybody gets a pass if Chris Coleman does it, right? Um, classic custom darks, which are actually awesome sounding cymbals. The louder you play those, the better they sound. They, they tend to like wake up really, really well. And then a DW Performance Series, or it might be a Collector's. I can't tell with that finish. Not totally sure. Pearl red line doubles and the matching hi-hat stand. The Evans Onyx on the far left. Got the Ching ring. I'm gonna accent this kit. I can't ghost this thing. This is cool. This is super cool. And uh, I don't know where you're standing, but you're not standing on your throne. So there was some effort put into this photograph. I like it, man. I'm gonna accent this kit. I would play it for sure. Very cool. Um, oh, yeah, one more kit photo. Okay. Yeah. This one is from Gustavo Gazanato. This is an interesting setup. I'm not totally sure what's going on with the miking, but I feel like you must know what you're doing because these are some bold places to put microphones. The, I also don't know what those microphones are. I wish you could tell from that like gold capsule. Um, I like the stack setup and the towel thing scares me a bit, but I feel like you must be doing a lot of this stuff really intentionally because that's like that crotch mic setup. I love how mics sound in that little range. It's such like an intimate place to put a microphone. And then the open bass drum is an interesting one too. But this seems very intentional. Like you must be going for something here. You got the dual hats going on. Yeah, this is an interesting setup, but I feel like you're going for a very specific intentional sound. I'm gonna give this an accent, I have to. But I'm ghosting the no rezo head on the kick drum. I've never heard that where it sounds like worth doing, right? Even on toms necessarily. Like I, I know there's some miking techniques you can do, but I've never personally done it. So I'm gonna accent the whole vibe. I'm ghosting the kick drum without the rezo head. Get a rezo on there, brother. <laughs> Sounds real pancakey, I'm sure. Yeah, I might, yeah. All well, right. thanks Gustavo, appreciate it, brother. Cool. Last uh, topic of conversation on accent or ghost is high ride cymbals. High ride cymbals. Um, well, I'm a high ride guy, and I didn't used to be that way. If you go back to like 2018 or before, Definitely had a lower, flatter ride cymbal. And there is a ratio here of like, the higher you go, the more steep that angle sort of gets. And 
for me, what sort of sold me on the idea was a conversation I had with my buddy Forrest Rice. Shout out to Forrest. Um, you had a lesson with Forrest, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, about uh, that. that was that was cool. Uh, Cubs came through town. Yeah, and, he's a tripping. And he's an awesome guy. And uh, a little bit, uh, a little not spacey. He's a space cadet. Yeah, yeah spacey is the <laughs> but, right word. But uh, yeah, real cool. It just made uh, more advanced concepts seem very simple. Yeah, uh, very very cool lesson. Just asking him simple questions, and you know, hard to be uh, kind of. And not starstruck being around him. He's such an advanced player. That He's so good. Listening to him speak about playing yeah. drums is, is cool. It's yeah. Cool, cool yeah. guy. Cool philosophies with it. I remember he told me one time, I went to some Covet show that he had, and he explained some song with somewhere in the, it was like two or 500 time signature changes. Like legitimately like a bar of nine, then a bar of five, and then two bars of four, and then a bar of seven. And like the whole song was like that. Just like hard to fathom that kind of playing man he's just a wild wild player and really good at explaining things i don't know how much he teaches but um i think he does like private or skype lessons absolutely phenomenal drummer if you guys don't know forrest rice check him out um and so forrest has been in i don't know if he's been in this new studio but he came to the old studio and he did an interview for the site um and then we dove deep into a whole bunch of stuff we did a game of would you rather a whole bunch of stuff like that and it was right around then at some point in 2018 when he was on tour where he he explained to me while he was in the studio why he has his ride cymbal so high. And the analogy he gave me, I don't know if he actually came up with this, but um, it was sort of this newspaper thing where like if you're reading a newspaper, you would you would keep your elbows closer to your sides. You would sort of stack your forearms on top of your elbows. Uh, and that would just be the natural way that you would hold the newspaper. It would be really weird to hold it low and flat and out in front of you like that. And that made so much sense to me that I said, man, let me try this higher ride symbol thing. And not only did I learn that I love it, I love how that feels, but I also figured out that uh, that it opens up space below your ride symbol, which is a, a really important piece of real estate. And that's where I keep my crasher hats, right? And so if you've ever, ever been hunting for like a place to put a new stacker, Man, you could really put your ride cymbal up and find a whole bunch of valuable room like right in front of you within your setup. So I personally love it. I'm going to give it a hard accent. Um, definitely, definitely try a high ride if you're um, if you're on the fence about it for sure. The only styles where I say it doesn't make a lot of sense is if you're into like, you know, total like, like Travis Barker, like punk smashing kind of stuff. You probably want a very low, very flat ride cymbal so you have access to that bell really quickly and then you can just open it up and crash super heavy. Uh, but for everybody else, man, give it a shot. So hard accent on the, uh, on the high ride. All right, well, that'll do it for Accent or Ghost. Woo. And we move into Sleeper Spotlight. Sleeper Spotlight. So in this segment, we'll introduce a drummer that y'all are sleeping on and we get Adam's opinions, impressions, and maybe some trash talk. I'm going to trash them. Everyone getting trashed. <laughs> First up, we have Kyle Adams. So Kyle is a drummer from Tacoma, Washington. He's okay. in Emerosa and Trapped, some bigger bands there. Headstrong, and, baby. Trapped yeah, came out when I was man. like 13. Yeah. Were you born yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think so. <laughs> Parental advisory warning. Yeah, yeah that was the... Yeah. Yeah, that was a, it was a sick album. That was such a sick album. I loved Trap, man. That was fun music for sure. Yeah. So we got we got one video up here for you. Okay. Let's see. Let's do I'm going to do this overhead one. Let's uh listen to this. Oh, shuffling. Kids 
sounds awesome, man. I also dig the like bass drum, like shaking the camera. Kid is tuned really well, deep sound. Single city. Super halftime. Awesome. That was super sick, man. Um, yeah, it's it's that triplet environment is really comfortable. It, it's really difficult to be comfortable in a triplet environment like that, especially at some of those higher tempos. So that was pretty cool, man. That's definitely some some advanced ideas to to execute that cleanly, man. I know that takes a while to get comfortable in that world. Um, let's check out this next one. This is a different angle here. Remy. I dig this studio. I like the studio, a little plant right behind the head. This kit sounds awesome. This is very, very like higher production sound, very album worthy kind of sound. That floor time is so dry. That sounds sick. I'll tell you another thing I love about this too is the um, this angle with the slider going back and forth, that gap between the ride cymbal and the rack tom feels very intentional. And I kind of like that, where you modify your setup just a little bit for the sake of aesthetics. It's a part of being a content creator, right? How it looks is is not more important than how it, sound, than how it sounds, but it is important for sure. And I feel like this is a little bit intentional to have that big of a gap there. And you know what it reminds me of is like a Taylor Hawkins type setup because Taylor Hawkins oftentimes has super high cymbals and kind of lower toms. And it creates this, this window, which I suppose could be just how you like to play the drums. But I've also always wondered if it's like more of an aesthetic thing. I don't know if he's ever talked about that publicly before, but uh, I'm sure we can find a picture. It's definitely... Um, it feels intentional, like you're trying to create a window for the audience to see in, uh, to see the drummer as they play drums. And I'm kind of a fan when I can spot little like aesthetic choices where I'm like, huh, like I wonder if that's what this is. So I like this like front facing angle with like the triangle, the plant, the computer setup in the background. This all feels very intentional, which is super cool. Um, and yeah, that slider sort of like hovering around this little window to see you framed up. I think that's all really, really cool from like a branding perspective. That's um. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I like this. And the sound is killer, too. Sick job, Kyle. It's awesome, dude. I what love a- Kyle. He's sick. Yeah, man. Who else we got? All right, cool. So this is uh, Jordan X Drums. I don't even know what he's from. I don't know what he's done. Okay. Uh, apologies for not knowing what he's been in, but he's just a sick player and uh, found him on Instagram and decided to you know show him to y'all. We're sleeping on him. All right. Jordan X Drums. Let's check out this first one. I like the reverb on that snare. Clean, man, super clean. And the cymbals slapping each other, that's always really cool. I love that vibe. Oh, I know some of these licks he's playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean, man, super, super clean. Busy play style, but you know, I kind of have that too. Awesome. That was super cool, man. Really, really clean. I can tell you one thing I hear, I hear in the audio, one thing I think you could do to make it a little bit more 
um, almost a little bit more audible would be, I don't know if there's any gating on the snare, but some of those ghost notes could be a little, little louder. Maybe just snare compression would sort of be the move. Um, Cause some of those ghost notes I felt like were a little bit on the low side, but overall, dude, I love like the subdivision work in there. Like a lot of, it feels like you and I might have similar um, like ears when we play drums and that I think you're hearing a lot of different subdivisions at once because I hear you playing around with a lot of you like tap into little other subdivision ideas sort of constantly and I like that in somebody's playing because that's kind of how I hear things a lot of times um, even if the vibe is straight I will hear another swung subdivision sort of poke in and out um, so I like that clip for sure let me tell you we got one more from Jordan X drums check this out oh live pretty big See that thing, the subdivision each shit. That's really cool, man. Mm. You look real tall, too. Man, that was an awesome video. That's a lot of people. This looks like a sold-out house of blues or even bigger, man. I wish you knew who exactly this was. 19 seconds. We're watching it again. Click. Heavy-handed, too, man. Need that live. Good technique too, man. Like playing through the cymbals. Like, man, this guy shreds. Absolutely awesome. I wish I knew who that, um, who he plays for, what this gig was exactly. So Jordan, if you're out there, if anybody knows Jordan X drums, let me know who he plays for, man. That was, um, that was badass. All right, who else we got? All right, so next up we got Chris Mead. Uh, plays A and F drums. Has really, really pretty drums, man. Okay. And uh, solid player as well. I think we have one video and then. Uh, and explore a few photos on his Instagram. Okay, cool. So Chris Mead, let's check him out. Those hats sound sick. Like a um, mid-range dry, not super dark. So dry, that's awesome, I love that sound. MP421 on both toms, real throaty, thick. Really tasteful playing, man. Good choices. But definitely a drum loop, too. Reminds me of J.P. Bouvet. Maybe it's just like the body type, like a hair, like skinnier and wristy in a way. Um, but man, that was an awesome clip. And then, okay, let's check out his Instagram, too, because what you're saying... I see. So it's just like the theme. Yeah, the theme is like all kit pictures. But when your kit is that pretty, I get it. I get it. So I'm, we got nothing in the bio, but I'm going to assume you do a lot of session work or at least a lot, of, a lot of gigging in your area because all these different heads, all these different rugs, it feels like you're moving your kit all around town. Okay, we got electronics every once in a while to get in there. Um, SPDSX, whatever letter combination is that contraption. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't do electronics. Man, it's. I love this theme though. I love this theme of like just gorgeous kit pictures. And if you spent as much money as I think you spent on that drum set, then uh, I would be taking that sucker around too, uh, around town taking pictures of it, man. That's awesome. 
Yeah, this is a cool theme. I like it a lot. I just want more videos, but I also feel like what an appropriate amount of like like teasing in that you have like one sick video and absolutely nothing else kind of makes me want to want to Google your name and figure out what else there is to know about you. But Chris Mead, hell yeah, man. That's super cool. This is a good one. What else we got? We got one more? We got one more. One uh, more. So this is Dustin Murphy. He's a drummer from Boca Raton. I know does, yeah, I know Dustin Murphy. Name sounds familiar immediately, yeah. Yeah, he does uh, about a video a day. Does a uh, range of covers and just shreds. Super clean player, and I think we have uh, a couple videos from him. Cool. Yeah, I remember Dustin bought some... Um, Bought loops a while ago, for sure, for sure. Let's see what we got here. Those hats sound good. Some kind of case. And the Yamaha EAD-10, I remember this, for sure. You can hear it, that like super compressed sound. It's so good for social media. Awesome, super cool, man. I like how heavy-handed you are. I feel like I'm I'm heavy-handed a lot of times too. Um, yeah, I like that a lot, man. It, it's very compatible with the way you're getting your sounds, which is through that Yamaha EAD-10. That thing is, you know, obviously it, it's not a recording device that you're gonna cut an album with, but it is so, so naturally compressed and punchy that when you're recording stuff that's gonna make its way into phone speakers, it's such a good tool for that. So I can hear that sound, but it also matches your play style. And I know if you're doing like a video a day on social media, that's a really good fit, man. That, that's cool. Uh, let's see, we got one more video from Dustin. Let's check it out. That's near it cranked. Deep snare too. So heavy-handed, right? They're playing through some of those fills, man. That sounds awesome. Dude, this is really, really cool, man. And yeah, I've seen a few more of your, or I've seen other videos of yours too as well. I know you're really consistent. Um, I always see your videos popping up in my feed. And um, yeah, I know at some point you bought loops. So shout out Dustin, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate that, brother. But um, yeah, awesome player, awesome player, man. I like how, I like how intentional a lot of the, a lot of, all everybody today seemed like that, right? Like intentional players, um, heavy-handed players. I'm into all of these these uh, characteristics in people's drumming. So yeah, shout out Dustin, thanks man. Cool, that'll do it for Sleeper Spotlight. If you have any drummers you'd like us to check out, just uh, you know, leave some suggestions in the comments, shoot me an email, do whatever. Send them over, I'd yes, love sir. to see them. Yeah man. All right, and then I'll just kind of hand it over to you to close out the podcast. Cool, cool. Um, well yeah man, it's been, it's been a weird few weeks changing things up here, doing, um, doing podcasts, two podcasts at once. It's been a lot, it's been a lot. I've had a lot of stuff on my mind. Um, but you know, I had a, I had an interview, what was it, um, maybe a week or so ago, uh, with South American drummer, or sorry, South African drummer, SA drummer, that's what they call themselves, SA drummer. Um, I had an interview with them a few weeks ago, and one of the topics we stumbled on was creativity, and I thought that would be a really good closing message for this, this first podcast. Um, you know, we're in a really tiny industry, a really isolated industry in a lot of ways, and I think when people, think about making drum content and they try to be creative. A lot of times it's really natural to survey the drum industry and see what other people in the drum industry are doing. But as somebody who's been doing this a long time, I can tell you that that is not what I would recommend that you do. Um, I'm a huge fan of looking outside of our very tiny industry um, to get influences, right? So when you're trying to be creative, the next time you're trying to be creative in whatever it is um, that you're trying to bring to the kit, 
Um, look somewhere outside of our industry to see what kind of influence you can get from other people who are just good at what they do. So, um, mentioned Eric and Proda again. I know he's told me that he would watch Kobe Bryant highlights before he plays drums just to see a master at work and find something from that world, from that realm, and bring that to the kit. Uh, one influence that I like to reference a lot of times is UFC fighters. I love watching higher level athletes at anything that they do, but specific, specifically, uh, like Israel Adesanya, who is the 185 pound champ um, in the UFC. Um, such an unbelievably talented martial artist uh, with a very, very specific style. And if you watch that guy do what he does, there's so many specific things that you could take um, from his style, his approach, his mentality, and bring that to the drum set. And of course, it requires that you tap into the artist in you to sort of um, work those metaphors out in your head. But at the same time, I think it is, it's sort of part of our job as creators, as artists, to, to sort of reach across the aisle in some ways, to try and find other sectors, other industries, to see what other people are doing um, in their artistry and sort of bring that to the drum set. Because I promise in the long run, that will serve you much, much better than it will to just look at other drummers and then try to take drum stuff and then bring that to the kit. There's a time and a place to do that for sure. Uh, but this week, I would encourage you to, to sort of reach out of your comfort zone, to get out of your comfort zone um, and explore some other industries and find other people, other artists who are awesome at what they do and bring that to the drum set. I promise that will serve you better than just watching drummers all day. So... Um, yeah, I will leave you guys with that. Thank you, Chris. Much appreciated, brother. You're welcome. Uh, this has been Orlando Drummer Podcast Episode 1. We have a lot more episodes coming your way very soon. Um, come hang out with us on orlandodrummer.com. It is a drum education platform in the style of Netflix. Uh, if you like content like this, there is a whole lot more um, on that platform, and that is where this podcast is going to live um, permanently. Though there, of course, will be clips and things that we'll share with you guys on YouTube and Instagram as well. Uh, but either way, thank you guys for hanging out with us uh, today. It is much appreciated. Adam here, the Orlando drummer thank you chris and uh we will see you guys in the next one later see ya